0: Last time we got down to about verse 14. And before we go any farther, I guess this is a, a debated Scripture here that we're about to come to. Some would argue that this can't be a saved person. He's speaking about people that are unregenerate. But I don't believe that's the case. And I believe we can prove it just with sim- simple English that the Scriptures wrote in. So in the previous verses, he was speaking about the law and sin how that the law convinced and convicted him of sin. And if you'll look at the language used there, verse 9, For I was alive without the law once, but when the commandment came, the commandment that was ordained to life, I found to be to death. Sin, taking occasion by the commandment, deceived me, slew me, wherefore the law is holy, was that which is good, made death unto me. If you notice all of those, it's all past tense. It's all before he was born again. Every every reference down through there, every verb is past tense. It's what he was. But now in verse 14, so now Paul, he's no longer lost. He was lost. He was deceived. He thought he was alright. Thought he was good enough believed he was acceptable unto God and that he didn't need anything. His righteousness was sufficient as it was. And the law of God came and convinced him otherwise and took a man that saw himself as a good man, made his sin to be exceeding sinful by the contrast that was placed there and he became uh, condemned in his own heart. So, He says this, verse 14, "...for we know that the law is spiritual, but I am carnal, sold under sin." So the law, and he's been arguing, that it's not the law that kills. The law is not evil. The law is not against us. The law is there to stand and to prove what's right, what's holy, and what's good. And the very first law that came to man in the Garden of Eden was thou shalt not eat of the tree of good and evil. It was not the law that killed them. It was the breaking of that law. The law was put there to protect life. The law, law was put there to prevent them from eating that tree. But sin started at the law, deceived Eve, and by that deception she took part, broke the law, and death came. So here, the law is spiritual. The law is not like me and you, fallible and corrupt, and corruptions in every one of us still. And we'll see that as we look through these. But the law is spiritual, holy, righteous, and from the mouth of Almighty God. Moses went up on the mountain to meet with the Lord there. And the Lord's hand wrote on the first tables. And the law was perfect in every way. There is absolutely no flaw and no fault that can be found with the law. You know the song the kids sing from time to time, the blessed old book. If I find when I read it that there's something wrong, it's always on my part that there's wrong. And that's what Paul's saying here. There's no problem with the law. And there's not any problem with the law of God today. The law of God is just as pure, holy, righteous, and good today as it was when God gave it to Moses on top of Mount Sinai. The problem is that man is carnal, corrupt, and sold under sin. Sold or trafficked as a slave to sin. Now that's what man is. Even though God can lay His law out... And it can be taught to us from the day we're born until the day we turn 18. Isn't it something that man's nature is still to go against the will and the Word of God? Man's nature is still to break that that we know that we ought to do. I know I ought not treat somebody like that. I know I ought not say these things. I know that I ought not do these things. And yet still, we go over the top of what we know and we do that that's wrong over and over and over again. Why is that? Well, there must be something wrong with the law. That's what man says. There's a problem with the law. We need to change the law. We need to do away with the law. The problem is that we're carnal. We have the seed of Adam, this flesh. And that seed of Adam is sold as a slave in bondage unto sin. The flesh can't do any better. In Matthew 16, now you think about somebody that's minding the things of this world. And I I realize this now. Don't be hard on the man Peter. Because he's carnal just like me and you are. Here he is with the Son of God. We've got the benefit of hindsight and a full understanding of what the Lord Jesus came here to accomplish. But they did not have that understanding. And it was because, you know, they were raised up under the Jewish religion and way. And the teaching of that day was that the Messiah was going to come. They were going to build a kingdom there in Israel and Israel, the nation, was going to rule over the world and the Romans were going to be done away with. That was the popular teaching in this day. Now Peter, Peter thinks Jesus is the Messiah. He believes that He's the Son of God. He believes He's the one sent from the Lord. So then what does Peter think he's going to do? He's going to be the king. He's going to set up a kingdom. And the Lord Jesus says verse 21. This is Matthew 16, verse 21. Jesus began to show unto His disciples how that He must go into Jerusalem, suffer many things of the elders and chief priests and scribes, be killed and raised again the third day. The Lord Jesus is teaching His disciples what's going to happen to Him. The true reason why He came to die for the sins of man. Then Peter took him and began to rebuke him, saying, Be it far from thee, Lord, this shall not be to thee. I believe he meant that. You're the Son of God. You're the one that's come to set up this kingdom. That's not going to happen to you. As well as, Lord, I won't let it happen. I'll fight to the death to prevent it. And I believe he meant both of those things. But you know what he didn't have? An understanding of what the Lord was coming to do. All he could see was the natural side. And the Lord says, Get behind me, Satan, for thou art an offense unto me, for thou savorest not the things that be of God, but those that be of men. Peter, your mind, your thinking, and your reasoning is in the wrong place. You're savoring that that pertains to the flesh. And I'm doing and accomplishing the will of God. It's God's will that I perish and be raised again for the salvation of sinners. But Peter could not see that. Well, that's, that's where man is. Like Esau, who sold the birthright for a bowl of pottage. You know what the Bible says? That he was in Hebrews, a vain man. A man, that's mind, was only on the temporal, only on the earthly, with no vision of the spiritual. That's where man is continually. Man is worried about the things of the earth, the things that pertain to the flesh, with no mindset towards the things that be of God. And that's because we're carnal. And notice the language. We've went from past tense to here, for we know that the law is spiritual, it is spiritual now, and I am carnal. Paul is presently carnal and sold under sin. Now how could that be? How can a man that's been saved, that's an apostle of God, a man that's given powers that no other people since has had, the apostles had power, that we don't have today, they laid the sick in the streets for Peter shadow to pass over and they'd be healed. Amazing power. Some would say, well, we can have that today. But you've got to remember now that there was no church. There was Jesus' followers that were 120 on the day of Pentecost that the Holy Ghost fell on. And these men are going around not Spring Creek, not Madison County, but they're traveling the world and traveling to countries and they're proving that Jesus Christ was the Lord. The Lord gave them power to prove it as well with works and miracles that could not be explained other than there be a higher power involved. And people would see that work. They would see these people be healed. They would think, my gosh, look at what power this man's got. And then Peter could get up and preach the Lord Jesus to him, just like the lame man that was at the gate, and they said, This man, he's been lame and crippled his whole life. What in the world's he doing? How is this man able to get up, and Peter could say, It's not my power, but this man walks before you this day by the power of the Lord Jesus Christ, whom was crucified in Jerusalem and raised again the third day? It wasn't about healing and notoriety. It was so that people would pay attention and hear the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. But how could a man that's an apostle and by by the writing of the Word of God that we believe to be inspired by the Spirit, the one that performed the most labor out of all of the twelve, Paul the apostle, how can he be carnal and sold under sin. Is that possible? There's a lot of people that say, no, that's not possible. He's got to be speaking about lost people. But I don't believe so. And I believe we're going to see this. This is where we all are. This is how pitiful that we ever want are. Saved, born again, why we're holy and we're mega saints. People think that in the mind. But here's what we really are. Paul says, I am carnal, sold under sin. For that which I do, I allow not. For what I would, that do I not. But what I hate, that do I. If then I do that, which I would not, I consent to the law that it is good. Now then, it is no more I that do it, but sin that dwelleth in me. For I know that in me, that is in my flesh, dwelleth no good thing. For to will is present with me, but how to perform that which is good, I find not. So if you remember in the previous chapters, we have looked and seen, uh, minorly so, the two natures, That's in those that are saved. There are two. And there is the earthly nature. I know that in me, that is in my flesh. He's clarifying it now. Paul says, in my flesh there dwelleth no good thing. There's no redeeming qualities. There's no good things about our flesh, about our natural nature, and about that that we inherited from Adam. Your flesh is no better than anybody else's flesh. Your thinking is no better than anybody else's thinking. We're all corrupt and in your flesh there is no good thing. If there was no good thing in Paul's flesh, you're telling me yours is better than Paul's. There's no way. No, you see, we're corrupt. The Adam man... And the seed of Adam is corrupt and it's corrupt from the top to the bottom. Maybe it was Isaiah that said from head to foot is putrefying sores. There's mankind and the seed of Adam with no redeeming quality about the flesh. Boy, I tell you, that's opposite to the way people think. You're better than me in your own mind. That's the way it is for a pile of people and I'm better than these people and we need to teach them a lesson and I'm going to prove a point to them and I'm going to tell them how low down they really are and I'm going to tell them how much better I am than them and I'm going to do this just to show them what they are and how good a fella that I am. It's the way man thinks. The truth is you're as wicked as anybody else in the room. In your flesh dwelleth no good thing. So let's look at a few places here. For which I do, I allow not. For what I would, that do I not. This sounds awful confusing, but it's really not that confusing. Paul's saying what I want to do, I don't do it. What I don't want to do seems like that's what I always do. See how opposite that it is? In the inward man, the man that's regenerated, and as he says, and we've referred to this scripture before, in First John chapter 3, verse number 9, "...whosoever is born of God doth not commit sin." So those that are saved then, oh well preacher, that's everybody that's saved. Really. We're going to have to get the application of it right. So if you're born of God, you don't sin. Well if that's the right interpretation, then raise your hand if you're born of God. No, we all sin. We've all got a different part. We've all got an Adam man. But I tell you, that man that's inside, the man that God birthed inside of a man, the man that's regenerated, and the man that's living in there, you know who's living in there with that man? The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit are all make their abode with that inward man that is perfect, that's righteous, that is justified and that is absolutely holy. Why, preacher, that that inward man ain't that. Well, how could it be in the presence of God if the inward man is not holy? He's holy in the Lord Jesus Christ and he does not commit sin. In them that are saved, there's an inward man that does not sin and go against the will of God and cannot sin and go against the will of God. So see, there's there's two. There's a man that's born of Adam's seed. The first man, Adam, was of the earth, earthly. There's another man born after the second man, Adam. He says the second Adam was the Lord from heaven. The Lord Jesus, He's born of a different seed. A seed that Peter says is not corrupt. It's not corruptible, it's perfect, pure, holy, and cannot fail. So in them that are saved, you've got a nature that's after the earthly man Adam, a nature that's carnal and sold under sin, a nature that wants to hate, to despise, to rebel, and to sin, and do wrong just like every other man on the face of the earth. And there's also another man. A man that God birthed in the heart. A man that's after the seed of the Son of God. What is the seed of the Son? It's the Word. Incorruptible. Undefiled. A man that was born not by the will of the flesh. Not by the will of man. Not by blood, but by God. A man that's kept by the power of God. And a man that's absolutely perfect, holy, and righteous by the work of the Lord Jesus Christ a man that cannot sin and does not desire to sin that's what makes up those that are saved you've got a man born of God inside Adam that's the Lord Jesus there's the picture but the Lord Jesus was able to do this now here's the amazing thing about the Lord he had a flesh that was like ours. He was God inside. But you know, he never let the flesh do what it wanted. No. He never sinned. Boy, Paul couldn't say that, could he? Paul said, what I want to do, what the inward man desires to do. You know what the inward man desires to do? To please God. To honor God. To be a follower of God. The inward man wants to submit himself to the Lord and to His will and say, I'm going to follow you, I'm going to trust you, I'm going to honor you, and I'm going to do my best to please you. That's the inward man. That's right. So Paul says inwardly, I want to do the right thing. But it seems like I never find myself doing that. Now I'm not saying Paul never done the right thing. But now when I look at myself... This is what I see as well. I look at myself and see a desire to please God. But how often do I obey and follow that desire? The Adam man's against It's contrary to it. And the Adam man resists it. And what I want to do in the inward man, the outward man never wants to do. And... What the outward man would desire to do, the inward man is against that. And the two are contrary. The flesh is not free to go and serve sin. You know, that. there's what we're accused of. You say eternal salvation that's based in the Lord Jesus. You're giving folks an excuse to go out and sin and still be saved. Well, here's the, the, the message for that. The man that's saved, he's not free to go serve the flesh any longer because the inward man resists and wars against that as well. They are contrary and opposite one to the other. In Galatians, I believe we can see this written out a little more plainly maybe. Galatians chapter 5 verse 16. This I say then, walk in the Spirit and ye shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Now, if I'm walking in the Spirit, how could we say that different? If we're walking in obedience, under the leadership of the Spirit, you know what I'm not going to do? I'm not going to fulfill the lusts and desires of the outward man. I can't. You can't walk after the Spirit And fulfill the desires of the flesh. You know why? He's going to tell us. For the flesh lusteth against the spirit. And the spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary the one to the other. So the spirit's desires is contrary to what the flesh desires. And the flesh's desires are contrary to what the spirit would desire. And that's always the case. They are contrary. That means to lie opposite or against one another all of the time. You think about the picture of the law being laid next to a wicked me. Well, here's the picture here as well. Just as the contrast of my wickedness and sin stands out so greatly against the law... Here's two that are completely (coughs) opposite one to another. And when they line up, they never agree on anything. They are always in disagreement. They're always in argument. And they're always against one another. The flesh and the spirit. Now where is that? That's in me. And in all of those that are saved, is this warfare one to the other So, now listen, this is verse 17. This is Galatians 5, verse 17, the last part. They're contrary one to another so that you cannot do the things that you would. You know what's got to happen now? If I'm going to fulfill the desire of my flesh, I'm going to have to tuck away and kill out that inward man. I'm going to have to hush him up and go over the top of him it has to happen I can't if I'm saved I can't go against what I know to be right and perform it with the flesh without overrunning what I know in my heart by the spirit and when the Holy Ghost would lead me to do something you know what I'm going to have to do my flesh says well they're going to laugh at you they're not going to like you they're going to be mad at you They're going to pout. They may get up and leave. They may tell you. They may just snigger behind their back. They don't want you to do that. You've been here too long. There's been too much said already. Been too many songs. You know what the flesh is doing? It's contrary to what God would have me to do. And if I'm going to follow the leadership of the Spirit, this man is going to have to be put down. It's the same every time. If I'm going to pray, if I'm going to pray at the house this evening, my flesh is going to say, you don't have time. You need to do this first. You need to do that. And you prayed at church earlier, and you're going to pray again tonight. You're going to go to prayer room, and there's no sense in wasting that time. You've got a lot of things that needs to be done. It's always that way, ain't it? Isn't it amazing that the Lord said a man ought to always pray and not faint, that He says in Thessalonians, pray without ceasing, that Daniel prayed three times a day, that we know that prayer ought to be in the life of those that are saved, and yet we never find ourselves doing it. Why is that? This fleshly man is resistant to that. And when I would desire to do something to please God. If you're saved, I believe you'll know what I'm talking about. When you're sitting, when you're working, when you're in the bed laying there waiting to go to sleep, and the notion to pray. I'm sure you've had that happen once. The notion, son, you ought to pray. I don't want to get up. I've got to finish this first. I can't do that right now. I can't get away from everybody to get to a quiet place to pray. You know, they're always opposite and contrary one to another. And one of them is going to win. He says in James, we, we know this scripture, we know it so well, we could everyone quote it. He says in James, from whence come wars and fightings among you, come they not hence of your own lusts that war in your members. You've got two in you fighting. You know what they're warring over? You. It's what we've read in Romans in the previous chapter, yield not to the flesh, but yield to the Spirit. Well, here is the battle that Paul's experiencing. A man that's rebellious and sinful. A man that's saved and born again and filled with the Spirit of God. And which is going to be obeyed? Which is going to be followed? If I do that, which I would not, I consent under the law that it is good to say jointly, confess. So now, the law, the law tells us in a lot of ways how we ought to act, how we ought to talk, and how we ought to treat one another. That's what the law teaches. And when I know what I ought to do, even if I don't do it. In my heart now, I'm confessing that the law is right. Even though I break it, I still know in my heart that the law is the way that I ought to act. Even in sin, man consents that the law is good. The law is just, the law is righteous, and the law is holy. And we are continual breakers of the law. Continually going over the top of what God would have us to do. Continually yielding our members to the flesh and not to the spirit. Continually breaking the commandments of God Why is that? It's because we're still in a flesh that's rebellious. I've thought about myself many times. You get to the end of the day, and my gosh, you're disappointed at just how you've done that day. You're disappointed at how you acted, you're disappointed in what you said in what you didn't do and in what you did do. You're disappointed that you didn't obey. I believe Paul here is sitting down and Paul's disappointed at just how weak a fellow that he was. We're all that weak. We're all that needy. We all need the grace and the help of the Lord Jesus Christ if we're going to walk pleasing. <clears throat> I consent to the law that it's good. Now, then, it is no more I that do it, but sin that dwelleth in me. Now, Paul is not skirting responsibility and saying, Well, I can't help it. But Paul says, Know this it's not the saved man that's performing these sinful actions. It's not the inward man that's righteous, holy, and pure by the work of the Lord Jesus. It's the sinful man of the flesh. It's me allowing the fleshly man to have its way. That's why he says in Ephesians, I believe we can see this even better now, Ephesians chapter 4, verse 22, this is Paul, that you put off concerning the former conversation, manner of life or behavior. So he's saying you put off your behavior, the old man, which is corrupt, according to deceitful lusts, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind, and that you put on the new man, which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. Now he's not talking to lost people here that, well, you just need to change clothes and you'll be saved. No, he's talking to saved people. They've still got two natures. Paul says, lay off the old man. Lay off the old behavior and the way that you used to behave and live in this world and put on the new man. Let the new man be the one that's in control and submit your flesh to follow the Spirit. Whereas, Previously, you were servants of sin your actions were only in servitude to the lust and desires of the flesh there was no hindrance and there was no resistance to that you were a servant of what you thought of what you felt of what you believed and of what you wanted but now you're saved This is all chapter 6. You're freed from that sin. You've got a new man on the inside. Submit yourself now to the new man and don't fulfill the lusts of the old man. It's a warfare and a fight. And Paul says, For I know that in me, that is in my flesh, dwelleth no good thing. For to will is present with me. To will, to determine, choose, prefer, wish, or be inclined. So let's narrow that definition down just a little bit. To determine or to choose. Paul says to will is present with me. What's his will? I want to do the right thing. In his heart now, he's determined to please God. In his heart, his desire, and what he chooses, I'd like to do the right thing. Would you? I wonder sometimes. I wonder sometimes. But in the inward man of those that are saved, the desire is to do the right thing. To will is present. Paul says, in my flesh, there's a desire to do the right thing. There's a desire to please God. There's a desire to shut myself down and to give honor to the one that saved my soul. To will is present with me. But how to perform that which is good, I find not perform to work fully or to accomplish. In here, I want to please God. In here, I don't want to. I don't want to accomplish that. Here, there's a desire to follow God. Here, I don't see any way I can do it. To will is present. How to perform it, I find not. In John chapter 3, verse number 6. Now this is the way it is. This is what the Lord told Nicodemus. That which is born of the flesh is flesh. That has not changed. From lost to saved, that did not change. This man that was born of the flesh, he is still flesh. His desire is still for me that which is born of the Spirit, that inward man that's born by the will and the direction of God, that man is spirit. They're contrary and they war and they fight and the fight and the war is not over whether I'm saved or not. It's over how am I going to behave today in this world? How am I going to treat Anthony tomorrow if I run into him somewhere? How am I going to behave myself when I'm down at the church house? How am I going to treat Vaughn? How am I going to treat those men that I work with? What am I going to talk like when I'm around them? What am I going to say tomorrow to those that I'm around The inward man wants me to walk the way God would have me to walk. The flesh wants to hate and despise and prove and do its own thing. How will we behave? Well, it's the one we follow. Paul says how to perform it. I find none. Even though in my heart I admit that the law is good, I admit that God's right. Why, yeah, God's right. I believe the Word of God. I know that God's true. I know that God's able to do everything. I know that God's in control of everything. But boy, when it comes down to doing it, I just don't want to do it. I don't want to act that way. That ain't the way I feel right now. It's a shame, ain't it? You know who that is? It's everyone that's saved. There we are, and we're there day after day after day. And you know what I see in myself most of the time? I see the devil come out. I don't do what I ought to do. How to perform it, I find not. For the good that I would, I do not. But the evil, which I would not, that I do. Listen to that now. The good that I want to do, I do not do it. But the evil and that that I don't want to do, I don't want anything to do with that. And we do. You see what we are? We're weak in the flesh. And we're beggarly. And we've got no reason to boast ourselves over another. But I tell you what the flesh wants. No matter how silly it is. I tell you we've come to a world and a time and a thinking today. You talk about division and despising. And hatred, they are fostering and causing that in our country today. They want people to despise and to hate one another. They want to divide. I tell you, the devil would like to divide. He'd like to divide you and me. He'd like for you to hate me. And he'd like for me to hate you. He'd like for us to be opposed to one another. Well, he ain't doing what he's supposed to do. And they ain't doing what they're supposed to do. Well, I wonder, are you you doing what you're supposed to do? I tell you, we can get caught up in foolishness and the devil will divide. He will. He'll divide. Paul told the church in Ephesus, by the letters we've got written maybe one of the more spiritually minded churches that there were in Paul's day, Paul said there's going to be grievous wolves enter in and they're going to divide the flock. I'm praying for you because I see the trouble coming on the horizon. I'm afraid we're getting there. We're getting there in our country, in our world today. We're getting to the place of despising and hatred and even those that in our heart we know we're supposed to love. It's a dangerous place to dwell and a dangerous place to be. Now the devil and the Lord, they're opposite one another. The flesh and the spirit, it's the same thing. One's in control and led by the devil. One's in control and led by God. Only in those that are saved. I'm not saying everybody's saved. I'm not at all. There's very few that are saved. That's why people can behave the way they do. That's why I can hate Vaughn. That's why I want to prove my point. And I, I want you to know that I'm not happy with you, Vaughn. People can act like that because they're led by the devil. Like it or lump it. It's the truth. But how to perform that which is good, I find not. For the good that I would I do not, but the evil which I would not that I do. Now if I do that, I would not. It is no more I that do it, but sin that dwelleth in me. If I'm doing that that I know in my heart is the wrong thing, then it's sin. I've done the wrong thing. I've been obedient to the wrong master. Does that mean the law is wrong? No, I'm consenting that the law is good the whole time. I'm saying I know I shouldn't do like this, but I'm going to do it anyway. I'm going over top of what I know and what I think and what the Word of God says, and I'm going to behave this way anyway. Well, it's sin that dwelleth in you. You know who's in control? The devil is. You know who's winning that warfare? You in that case, the devil is. Satan, the dragon, the enemy, the one that would like to destroy our families in hell. He's the one that we're following. John Wayne taught up here not long ago. Maybe it was in Bible school about the devil. How mean that he was. You remember that? That's that's the one. That's the one that the flesh is led by. He's the one that's being followed. It's not I that do it. It's not God leading me to do that. It's not God leading me to talk like that. It's not God leading me to behave that way. It's sin that's in the flesh. God's ascribed to a lot of ungodliness today. A lot of things that He never said. A lot of things contrary to His Word. Know this. That's not I that do it. It's sin that dwelleth in me. It's the flesh and it's of the devil. (coughs) I find then a law that when I would do good, evil is present with me. It's always there. Resistance and warfare and fighting Is always there. And it don't have to be my wife. There's people that's got a wife that's resistant to them doing the will of God. There's people that has a husband that's resistant to them doing the will of God. There's people that's got family, mothers and fathers, that's resistant to them doing what God would say. That's not what he's talking about here. He's talking about in Him there's resistance to doing what's right. In Him there's a fight. And when I want to do the right thing, when I want to behave the right way, that's what the word means. Behavior. When I behave the way that God would have me to, know this, there's a part in the flesh that wants to blow up. There's a part of the flesh that always had rather do something else. It's never easy. A lot of times we look at some folks and we think, "Boy, what good people they are. I wish we could be like them." Well, know this, every one of them is fighting in the same fight and the same warfare that you fight in. Paul said, "When I do good, When I want to travel uh, to the church at Ephesus and preach the gospel, there's a desire just to stay here and not do anything. Don't need to go to church. Don't feel like it this evening. Don't want to do that. That's not necessary. Now is that God leading you to do that or is that the devil? When I would do good, evil is present with me. Always, for I delight in the law of God after the inward man. The man that God saved, he's got no problems with the law of God. He knows what's right, and he knows how he ought to do, and he knows the will of God. So often, the inward man knows how I ought to do. I may say here, well, I don't know. I don't know what God's will is, but boy, in here, there's a conviction, and I know, oftentimes, I know what I ought to do. I know what decision I ought to make. I know the direction that I ought to go in. But the flesh is resistant to that, always. I delight in the law of God after the inward man, but I see another law in my members, warring against the law of my mind. And bringing me into captivity to the law of sin, which is in my members. We got two laws now. If the inward man is desiring to please the law of God, you know what the law of God is. What's what's the two laws that all of the law and prophets hinge on? That's it. And you all knew that as well. You know what the law's about. Me showing love to God and loving God and me showing love to you and loving you. That's what the law is about. The inward man wants to fulfill the law of God. But there's another law in my members. Now what law you reckon that is? They're warring against one another now. It's opposite to it, ain't it? Hatred towards God. Hatred towards others. You know where the love's at? Right here. Me. My promotion. My glory. My honor. My praise. My name. My will. My desire. Ain't that the flesh? Paul said in Timothy, perilous times will come. And there's a great long list of actions, but it's the top one, I believe that it all hinges on. For men shall be lovers of their own selves. You know who they want to please first and foremost? Me. We ain't really worried about what God would want. Ain't it something you can have a meeting and people ain't worried about what God wants? Well, what's God's will? Maybe we ought to think about what, no, we don't care what God's will is. I don't want to know what God wants. I know what I want. I know what my will is. Ain't that something? That's the way it is. You know why that is? Because there's two of every one of us. I see another law in my members warring against the law of my mind. They are opposed to one another. When God says to love, the other law says to hate. When God says to keep your mouth shut, The other law says, explode. When God says, you need to say something here, this says, you need to keep your mouth shut. When God says you ought to do this, this says, no, ain't ain't able to do that. And when God says, don't take part, this says, I'm going after it headlong. When God says you ought to go here, This says, I'm not going. I'm not submitting. They are warring and contrary one to another. And you know how long that's going to be? That's going to be there every day for the rest of my life. There's going to be that warfare and that fight. There may be outside influences at times. There might be peer at times. There may be times that I'm free of every bit of outside influence. But the fight will rage on within me day by day. That's why Paul says, Forsake not the assembling of yourselves together. Exhort one another daily while it is called today. You know what we are? We're out on the front lines every day. The fight is waging on within us every day for our behavior and for our actions and for how we live in this world. God's warring against the flesh, and the flesh is at war against God, and we need some strength if we're going to be able to fight tomorrow. We need some help from God. What's Paul's conclusion? Oh, wretched man that I am. What does Paul conclude about his own self? He doesn't say, I'm bad that I'm evil, that I'm a sinner. No, we're going to go a step farther than every one of those words. And Paul's going to say, wretched, miserable, wicked on every side. Oh, wretched man that I am. What are we? We're wretched men and wretched women. Men and women that know what God says and has no desire in the flesh to do it. Right. Men and women that know how we ought to act and don't want to act that way. That's that's people that are saved. That was Paul the apostle. That's us. We're in a fight day by day. Who shall deliver me from the body of this death? Now he's not talking about death in a grave. He's talking about this death that he's carrying around every day. That every day this outward man wants to drag him back into sin. Every day this outward man wants to make him rebel against God. Every day that he gets up, the outward man wants to go back and have another bite of the tree of knowledge of good and evil. Well, you've already eaten it, you're already dead. You might as well go back and have another one. That's the flesh. You might as well continue on. You're not perfect. You've already sinned. You can't keep it. Just go ahead and go that way. It's the flesh. Paul says, I need some deliverance. I am tired of fighting day by day. He never gets a break. Every time he goes to pray, the flesh has got something in his mind to prevent him from that. Every time he'd like to read the Word of God, I'll tell you the way it is for me. Every time I want to dig, if I'm going to get my book and say let's study for Sunday school, two things happen. One is I want to go to sleep. Or two is I've got 10 billion things that I cannot get loose of in my mind. It's always a fight. And when you sit down and you sit there for 15 or 20 minutes and you finally get to looking a little, well, you need to go mow a little. You need to be doing this, and there's this work that's got to be done. Paul says, I'm tired of fighting this battle. Who shall deliver me from the body that continually drags me into death? What an enemy that you carry around every day. Know this. Your flesh is your enemy. When it comes to following God, what satisfies and satiates the lusts of this outward man is contrary to God's will. And this man will prevent us from following and being obedient and being the men and women that God would have us to be. Who shall deliver me? I thank God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then, with the mind, I myself serve the law of God, but with the flesh, the law of sin. The warfare. That's continuing in Paul. You know what Paul's desire was? Paul said, I'm striving for the mark, the high calling of the Lord Jesus Christ, that I might know Him and the power of His resurrection. I don't count myself to have attained, but I'm striving And I'm laboring. Paul's not trying to be more righteous or more holy. He's perfect in Jesus Christ. But I tell you, this battle here, this warfare against the flesh, he's trying to subdue his outward man more and more every day. These folks, and I realize I've got no ability to talk about it, but somebody that trains to be able to ride a bicycle to the top of Mount Mitchell. Now, if you don't think anything about that, ride from here to Greg and Melissa's driveway and see how that feels. And these people that can ride to the top of Mount Mitchell, you know what they're going to do in order to get to that place? They're going to have self-control. And when they don't want to go exercise, they're going to exercise. When they want to eat a piece of cake the size of my leg, they're going to resist that. That's temperance. That's controlling self and bringing their bodies into a place that they can accomplish this amazing feat. I believe that's where Paul wanted to get. God, help me by Your grace to be more temperate day by day. Who's going to deliver us? I thank God through Christ Jesus our Lord. We've got no hope in the law. We've got no hope in our works. You see what our works are? You see how we are compared to the law of God? You want to measure yourselves by the law. This is what we're going to find every day. We're going to find that even as saved people, we know how we ought to do and we're unwilling to do it in the flesh. May God help us by His eternal grace to lay off the outward man, to crucify the outward man, and to be obedient followers of the inward man. And that's only by the grace of God. Who shall deliver me? I thank God through Christ Jesus. Our only hope we have. Anything on your heart?